Welcome back, Creepy Cats. Today is our first episode of Paranormal Case, our first paranormal case that we're going to discuss on this podcast. Are you excited? Besides the fact that it's 11 p.m., yeah, I'm not I'm not scared. <laughs> well, I I mean you should be a bit, you know. It's a bit intense. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> So I will start with our resources, everything I use to do my research, which is a blog by Brian Fanelli, Tony Spera, The Lineup, Astonishing Legends in the Occult World. And all of this provided a lot of details about the case, very, very useful. And I think you will find, you will find the story exciting. And especially people out there, you know, that are into paranormal stuff. Exciting or or scaring? Um, both. The scary yeah. part makes it exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess if you're a fan, yes. Yeah. So let's get into it. And we'll start with what Brian Fanelli said. And he was telling us that every neighborhood has that kind of creepy house with boarded windows, deserted lawn, or creepy noises coming out of it at night, like, you know, even though it's abandoned. And that's, I, I thought that's the perfect intro for the story. Did you ever had a house like this in your neighborhood? No. I think the house like this, the haunted house in my neighborhood was mine. <laughs> yeah. Which is something that you can guys listen to in our previous episode. Lucio talks about the experience he had. And I think it's a bit spooky, but I haven't, I didn't have a spooky house in my neighborhood, but I do know a story though, um, with like an abandoned house. Did mm -hmm. I tell you? No, I, I don't think so. It's from a friend mm -hmm. when she was going to the village. I haven't, no? No, no. So a friend slash acquaintance of mine, when I was way younger, I was like basically a kid. Um, she was having this habit of going to her grandmother like monthly for a week or two, like during summer, especially. And, um, she was gathering there with some kids to play. It was like a woods forest kind of area in the middle of the village, mm -hmm. more like as you would think of a park in London, but in, you know, way smaller scale. And nobody was passing by because there was a river in, in that area and it was usually muddy. And also because it was filled with kids, so nobody wanted to disturb them. It was kind of like known for kids being always there, right? So she was there and it was around 7 p.m. She was playing with a lot of kids, actually. But out of the blue, everybody started to leave. And there were like two boys that like they were the last ones. And she asked them like, where is everybody going? And they didn't actually, I mean, they just pointed towards the house, right? She asked, where is everybody going? Why are you leaving? And they pointed towards the house, like almost like mocking her. Like, are you serious? Do you even need to ask, you know? And she saw that they were pointing towards the house, but she wasn't sure of it. And the thing is, this space, enclosed space with, you know, the trees and everything, it was like, it had houses, but further away. The only house that was close to it was this abandoned house, right? 
So um, she decided not to think of it because she literally had to go to pass by the house by herself. And she has no choice and she does it. She goes in front, she walks by. And when, like, once she is next to it, like parallel to the house, uh, she hears it, like some giggles. Mm-hmm. And they were coming from the house. And obviously, like, at first she thought, like, the ki- there's the kids and the kids are trying to play a prank or whatever on her. But she decided, she, she went on, right? She took uh, two, three more steps, I don't know. And she heard it again. And this voice called her name. And she froze because it didn't feel like a kid's voice. And she she got the courage to look, to turn her head towards the house. And um, she saw like the curtain moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she just started to run, right? But she got to her grandmother's and she told her grandma about it. And her grandmother said that they do know your name. They know all of our names because they're not from here. And she asked like, what do you mean? And the grandmother said, because they're not like human. Who are they? So that's the creepy part. The village in question was saying that in that house, there are demons living. Oh. Yeah. So the, the grandmother said, no, it's not the kids. It's actually happening like quite often. They even had the priest going there. Mm-hmm. And well, he didn't do much. I mean, he tried, but nothing worked, you know. So basically the house belonged to this family was passed from one generation to another but the last family um they were off they were offered to sell and um they refused to sell but these like the the buyers were involved with the church and the family I don't know why they got pissed with the church because they were very persistent on getting their land um and they never stepped foot on the church's premises ever again since that day because it apparently was a big scandal mm-hmm. and i assume obviously it didn't end well so they didn't get their last rights when they passed they had only one son he moved before their passing like in, in i don't know to a city and um they didn't get the last rights and after they passed things were normal but after a while they started to escalate you know and the house exists yes today i i guess yeah i think it does still yeah that's very weird yeah and there were like uh, her grandmother she told me her grandmother said that there are a lot of incidents there are like things flowing around the the garden and they even wanted to call the news but the news there they're not very involved in paranormal stuff they oh. didn't care yeah and um one priest went once or twice then they wanted to get another priest from another village, but that one, like, he refused to mm-hmm. get involved. So, you know, besides that, uh, I don't know any story with haunted houses besides mine, but that's for a special episode. Yeah, you're, you have a bunch of stories there. Oh, so many. I should start writing them down before, you know, with age I might forget about them. I don't want to. Anyway, so we started well, no? I guess, yeah, it's a good intro. (laughs) It's a good intro. Well, then let's get into our main story now. The Smurl family, right? Apparently, what they experienced was so horrifying that even Ed and Lorraine Warren got involved. Oh, okay. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah, so we're talking something like the conjuring. Yes, yes. 
So as any other family, the parents, Janet and Jack, were looking to provide a safe and stable environment for their daughters, Dawn and Heather. They were affected by a hurricane back in 1972, a flood that forced them out of their home, so they had to move. They chose the West Pittston home, a duplex, and everything seemed to be fine at first. It always does, right? I mean, why wouldn't it be fine, you know? It's when it's not that it starts, a story starts, right? That's what I mean. Every ghost story starts with everything like being all right and then things escalate. That's what I meant. Yeah, unfortunately. Yes. So they felt like they were getting their lives back and they were able to enjoy their nice family. So the house was a bit of a fixer-upper. So this is to mention, they invested a lot of time in a lot of money, all the money they had available, they invested in the house to make Mm it, you know, appropriate for their family. So at this time, when they were doing all this fixing, it seems that everything started to escalate into soon their worst nightmare. Are you ready? Which which are ghosts. Stop asking questions from the future. (laughs) I won't tell you. (laughs) So as it was a duplex, the Smurfs lived in the left side of the home, whereas Jack's parents lived on the right side. The duplex was originally built in 1896 and was located on a quiet street in a lovely middle-class neighborhood. The house was bought in 1973 for $18,000 by Jack's parents. So the grandparents, right? Mm -hmm. The Smurf family was a well-respected Catholic family, both Janet and Jack growing up nearby. The pair met in 1967 and married in 1968. Jack served in the Navy and would later become a neuropsychiatric technician. So they were doing very well. Mm -hmm. 18 months passed since they moved in and everything was idyllic. The kids were enjoying it. The parents were too. And they had a great relationship with John and Mary, the grandparents. But everything was to soon change. At first, all the episodes were benign. Tools went missing, then reappeared, all wool stains sipped through fresh coats of paint. Then the kitchen appliances caught fire, even though they were unplugged. That's, that's, that's something. Yeah, that's starting to be weird. Yes. Then they had problems with smells, like in the house out of the blue, it was starting to smell like rotten, and then it would just simply vanish moments later. So, mm, Yeah, I think it... Sounds like a conjuring movie. Yeah. In January 1974, a mysterious stain appeared on a new carpet they purchased. That was a bit odd. But then Jack's television set burst into flames. The water pipe started to leak and didn't stop no matter how much they were trying to fix it or whoever they called. The new sink and the bathtub in the remodeled bathroom were found scratched as if a wild animal had clawed at them. Even the freshly painted woodwork in the bathroom shows scratches. Later on, in 1975, their old daughter started seeing floating figures in her ba- in her bedroom. What? Yes. Floating figures. Yes. Like people. I'm like yes, like resembling human uh. shapes. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. How how would you react? Oh, I'll I'll just run out. But I understand that the family invested everything there. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I really don't know. I would just 
go and spend the night on a, uh, on a friend's or something like that. Yeah. Ar, a friend. Yeah. Well, they didn't. They were scared, but apparently nothing was going to deprive them of their home. So they thought they were pushing through all of this, tolerating it. Jack, in the meantime, he was promoted at work and he was even part of his daughter's softball team. He was coaching. Janet became pregnant and helped organize an anti-drunk driving group at the local high school. And Dawn and Heather excelled in their studies. So everything was perfect besides the floating figures. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to mention that. Yeah. I mean, floating figures. <laughs> Well, I, I can't wait for our special episode. Oh, my God. I will. It's just. Okay. Anyway, life went on. Spirits or no spirits. The Smurfs had two more children. So they were busy. Twins, Shannon and Corinne in 1977. So they were born in 77. By then, they were convinced that something was obviously wrong with the house. They were hearing footsteps on the stairs. Toilets were flashing without anyone using them. And drawers kept on opening and closing when nobody was in the room. The activity got so intense that radios blared even when unplugged. Strange, like, strange smells filled the house again. And chairs rocked by themselves. And Jack started to even experience ghostly caresses. You know, like touches. Imagine you're you're in the bathroom and you're by yourself and you feel something touching you. Well, I can tell you that for a very long time I was showering with my eyes open. Well, I don't know how you shower, but I do shower with my eyes open. No, like when I was with shampoo on my hair and oh. all the foam and the bubbles where I was rinsing, they were, I was trying to avoid getting them in my eyes, but it was still happening. And I was like this, you know, like trying to keep <laughs> my eyes open. Yeah, You know, it was a period of time. <laughs> but something like very spooky. Mm, I mean, that one of the craziest things that happened to me and I can't explain and I was with somebody else so that person can confirm that I'm not crazy is actually the the candle story have I told you the candle story um I think so you have so many stories that I get a bit confused okay let me I have like two stories <laughs> yeah well should I refresh your memory uh okay okay so I told you that um, like I was living, I was in my house, right? At my grandparents and I was with this friend and it was Christmas, close to Christmas. So we were in the living room and we were watching a Christmas. I think it was even, I think it was Home Alone that we were watching. Mm -hmm. like, I think so. And there was the fireplace, but the fireplace is not like, it's not open, right? And it ha it's like a stove has a glass door, which was shut. Next to the fireplace, I had this kind of lantern thingy for candles made of glass, you know, and there was a candle inside of it, but it was closed. And again, so was the fireplace. So as we were watching the movie, like facing, we were on the couch, facing straight the TV, on the right side, in the corner, there's the fireplace. Like a small, the short distance from the fireplace, there's the candle. And as we watch the movie, we see, like, we realize there's a, a, a light on the right side. Bear in mind, the, the fireplace, like, the, the fire was almost, 
non-existent at this point. And we turn and we see the candle is now lit. But the candle was behind a glass. Yes. It was closed. The, the, the lantern, the glass, thingy, everything was closed. And it was like a considerate, considerable distance between it and the fireplace. How do you explain that? Well, well, maybe it was some kind of physical reaction to some sort of phenomena. Like, what do you mean? I don't know. Maybe two gases met and they started a. a but why a the spark. candle? The candle was brand new. It was never lit. It. I don't it know. was in you know how the tape is usually in the wax it was like that yeah we just we freaked out we ran upstairs we closed the door and we stood by my bedroom's door trying to listen for more than an hour we couldn't hear anything but when we eventually got you know the courage to go downstairs um the candle was now the tip was burnt what time was it It was past midnight. I can't remember the time. Oh. I was going to say, why would, why did you go upstairs? I would have gone outside. No, it was very late, so no. And um, we 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 were shaking. You you have to understand. Like right now, if you see a candle, that this this candle we have, if you see if you see a fire now coming out like a flare, like you will run out. I have no doubt. Oh yeah, you don't have to doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, but so th there's out. no explanation. I asked even my dad. I there were my mom and many many people, you know, along the years, and nobody had uh, an answer for that, a, a possible logical answer, you know. Mm, yeah, I can't <laughs> think of anything. Yeah, well, that's my creepy story. One of yes for today, <laughs> for today. Going back to the Smart family, in 1985, the annoying disturbances became truly frightening. The house was now more than often ice cold, and the couple started to hear loud and obscene language coming from the other side of the house, where the grandparents lived. The funny part is that they were hearing it even though they weren't fighting, and sometimes they weren't even at home. Later on in February, Janice started hearing her name being called several times, mostly when she was alone in the basement. But it's very popular, this thing, so common to hear your name. Well, you know my opinion. If somebody's calling my name and I'm walking on the street or even worse, by myself, mm -hmm. why would I reply? I mean, why? If I'm yeah. not expecting anybody to call out my name. Well, yeah, but the thing is, you see, I mean, first things first, nobody said she was replying. And at times you do reply. She was living in a house with her kids, her husband, and next door there were the grandparents. So somebody might get into the house, right? So you do reply. But this thing with like the name calling, I know even from my grandmother, she mm -hmm. was telling me that well, she had this habit of waking up very early in the morning, 2 or 3 a.m. She, she had problems sleeping. And she was going to the summer kitchen and, I don't know, having coffee, cooking very, very early, right? And she was keeping, because it was hot, she was keeping the door and the window, you know, opened. Mm -hmm. And she was by the table cooking whatever. And she said that there was somebody calling her name, but she could tell that 
whatever was that was calling her name was outside underneath the window like hiding and calling her name just that image <sighs> of something creepy i don't know that on a low level like you know sneaking and trying to spook you that's that's that that scares me she told me this like several times and it was happening to her since she was a kid and it kept on happening. I, I mean, I, I don't know nowadays I should ask her, but it, yeah, it is a thing. Why do you think this happens? It's like somebody's following your grandmother. has been I don't following know. for all her life. I'm guessing. I really don't know. For me, what was more popular like to happen, whatever, I, I do, it doesn't matter where I live. Uh, except this this place, this flat. Um, it's the knock on the door, even though there's nobody there. <laughs> no, that's no. If so, let's see. If right now somebody knocks the door, which door specify? Like any I, door. Like if, I was referring they, to the main, the entrance. Okay, if somebody knocks that door, the door of the main entrance to the flat, I'm not gonna open because I'm not expecting anybody. Um, that's it. Yeah, but for me, the advantage um, where I used to live uh, was that I could see through the window. Mm. And once I was um, with a friend and uh, she she was like, open the door, open the door. I was like, but there's there's nobody. She was like, how can it not be? I hear the knock. It It just knocked again, whoever that is. And she didn't believe me. And she came by the window and she saw there's nobody. But then, then again... If there was somebody, why wouldn't you open the door if, there, if there's a stranger I on the other know. side? I don't know. It can be, I don't know, parcel, a gas check. Yeah, <laughs> a, no. a neighbor in need. I'm sorry, Surprise no. visit from a friend. There's There are possibilities. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, that's why I try always here when we do have somebody knocking, you, you know, I look out the window. Yeah. Which is a bit inconvenient because you can't always see, but I still do. And if I know that I don't expect anything, no, I won't answer. But it is very, very popular. Did it happen to you? No. Thank, thanks God, I guess. <laughs> no, never. And I'm not looking forward to it. Okay. Imagine Noted. that. Imagine that. <laughs> Let's see. Maybe in the future. No, thank you. <laughs> no. Okay, so let's go back to our main story. So after the name calling, um, after the name calling started, right, um, the temperature started to drop again in the house, like ice cold, freezing, and it seems that this temperature was actually announcing a black human-shaped form about five feet nine tall with no facial features like a shadow yeah a huge yes shadow yes it first appeared to janet in her kitchen just to dematerialize through the wall and appeared to mary small the grandma so it's just passing by casually <laughs> it's it that it sounds indeed like a conjuring movie yeah well, I would be spooked, but anyway. But these are all, all these symptoms are... Symptoms? I mean, like manifestations, how uh -huh. they are escalating. Uh -huh. They are 
there's something else. They're not ghosts, are they? It depends. I won't tell you. From that moment on, everything escalated again. A large light fixture fell from the ceiling and crashed down on Shannon, nearly killing her. In June, after making love to her husband, Janet was pulled out of bed violently while Jack lay paralyzed, suffocating from a foul smell. The family dog, a German shepherd called Simon, was repeatedly picked up and thrown around. I would go nuts on that entity if he was to touch my cat, honestly. Well, uh, don't get me wrong, but I think that's the least of the concerns. The problem is the entity, not because it could have been the cat, it could have been the dog or, or, or the kid, you know. Yeah. But the problem is that the entity is touching living beings. Well, that's, that's the thing, because, you know, you could tell either if it's demonic or if it's just a ghost, but the thing with us humans is that as you know from many, many stories, real or not, uh, they say, oh, I entered this room and then out of the blue, I felt this ice cold touch on my shoulder, you know. But that is not necessarily true because we get confused if there is a per obviously a particular area around us that's having a temperature drop, right? Mm -hmm. we, we interpret it as a, a something sensory, like a feeling, like physical. But it's not necessarily that. Yeah, but this in this case, it's <clears throat> grabbing the dog and throwing it around. Well, in this case, <laughs> it's, yeah, well, it's it's another story. But I'm telling you, like, in other cases, uh, people do get confused and they make everything way more complicated because of that, you know, because mm -hmm. you can't name it what it is. Mm -hmm. Terrible scratching noises started to come from the walls. Shannon was tossed again out of bed and down the stairs. The bedspreads were shredded while heavy footsteps crossed the attic and snake hisses were heard around the house. I will be, you know, how I feel about snakes. There's no need to explain. <laughs> also, snakes are signs of demons, no? Depends. You're not going to take anything out of me. I'm not going to spoil the story <laughs> for you. I, I see you. I see what you're doing. It's not going to happen. No, I'm just reading the signs of the manifestations as I've learned from you and your your, your expertise in horror <laughs> <Experts>. movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is like, uh, as I said, like a conjuring movie. Yeah, well, you're very good. You're a very good uh, student. I see. Then. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> But, so, it wasn't just the smurls who had to deal with it. Even the neighbors heard screams and strange noises coming from the house when the family wasn't in. Some neighbors claimed they even got to experience the presence in their own homes. What do you think? So, this presence... So, we're talking about a building here. Because they're, like, wall to wall. It's a, or... no, it's a house. It's like in UK, you know, they're wall and mm. wall. But this is more like a duplex. So imagine a bigger house split into yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of a house. Yeah. So the demon was. Oh, mm. I don't know if it's a demon. Oh, okay. The entity yeah. was <laughs> conquering new territories. Uh, that's what the neighbors say. But, you know, there's also like same when with serial killers, right? It's like. They murder a lot of people, they end up in jail, and then you have, like, uh, random fans that want to get in contact with them, or, they're, or there's a crime, better, this is a better example. 
somebody is murdered and you will be shocked to find out how many people come in and say that they did it. Even though they haven't, they didn't. It's very popular. So you can't just say that these people wanted the attention too. Mm, and they yeah. just had the, you know, FOMO. Yeah, probably. The fear of missing out. I don't know. Or being left out of the story. You never know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway. So with all of this happening, the Smurls vowed to fight back. So they were like, mm -mm, we are not leaving the house. In January 1986, Janet heard about the Worms. That's very cool. <laughs> and the couple decided to call them. The Warrens arrived there with Rosemary Freud, a registered nurse and psychic, and began their investigation by quizzing the Smurls. So they were first making sure they are not making everything up. Mm -hmm. Some of the questions were about their religious beliefs, their family life, if they were happy or not. They asked if they practiced Satanism or ever used an Ouija board. Or if any, in any way possible, they were the ones that invited the supernatural into the house, right? The family clarified that they haven't invited anything in. It started to happen by itself. The Warrens then proceeded alongside Freud, the psychic, to walk around the house. They ended up identifying the bedroom closet as the crossover point between the two sides of the duplex. The team said they detected the presence of four evil spirits. Three were minor, basically not that important. Mm -hmm. Whereas the fourth was a demon. Uh-huh. That's why I said you're a I good student. It. Yes, well done. Because there was no proof nor indication that the family invited it in, they came to the conclusion that the demon was in hibernating state, perhaps for decades, and that he reasoned to draw on the energy generated by the girl's entrance into puberty. Is that really a thing? How is that? No, I don't understand <laughs> how how a demon can can wake up because of your you 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 know you changing you growing like evolving. Well, uh, I think the in my mind at least the possible reason like ex logical explanation would be that as they say we're all energies. Mm -hmm. so obviously you there's the, the, with the same concept with like oh i can see your aura and you're vibing and you're angry mm -hmm. and whatever so basically if we're all energy then we can perceive ourselves as you know those mood rings that they're supposed to change color with the way you're feeling if you're angry it gets red it, it was all like crap I've never seen yeah i had a few quite disappointing but it was it, it wasn't true like the rings they they were fake it was just a thing for kids right mm. but just take the concept of the ring right and it's the same with the energy you vibrate whatever you're feeling negative mm -hmm. positive so i'm guessing when you enter into like puberty you have a lot of energy a lot of emotions you're actually a hurricane of emotions right yeah, i guess that's... so i and especially as a female i guess that's happening yeah, yeah i guess that makes more sense yeah yeah so i mean it does but it does i mean it does yeah it explains a lot of things in my case to be honest but again special episode so let's skip that part <laughs> Ed and Lorraine tried twice to induce the demon and expose itself through religious provocation. They played tapes of religious music and prayed. The demon responded by shaking the mirror and dresser drawers. 
In one instance, it is said it's spelled, you filthy bastard, get out of this house. That's funny too. So the demons saw Home Alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe it's the same one that lit my candle maybe. when I was watching <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. The portable television emitted an eerie, silvery, white glow while they were there. And from everything they tried, it seemed that only prayer and holy water seemed to stop the manifestations. The phenomena continues. The eerie glow returns. The pounding in the walls worsened and Jack and Janet were slapped, bitten, and viciously tickled. I, that's a, a phobia for me, honestly. To be viciously tickled? Yeah, I had nightmares <laughs> as a kid. Do you know how? You don't know. I, re, I remember one, like I had it last night, literally. So I was in this classroom in primary school. So I was like seven, eight, right? And... A lot of monkeys, like huge, not monkeys, huge gorillas entered the classroom and they come like to the students, to us. And one, gra I was running in fear because I was seeing the other kids being tickled and crying and laughing and the pain and the feeling, you know, and then one was after me and it, I, I'm running, running, but obviously it, it gets me and it starts tickling me and lifting me up and I was screaming. It's just, I don't know, it's a phobia. It's it's weird. That's why I always tell you don't me don't 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 come near me if you want to tickle me. I I don't. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So, um, do you have this? You don't have this problem, like. No, and actually, it's the first time I hear about this problem, like the fear to be tickled. I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, if it's like too like this, like no, a bit light, that I'm alright. I'm alright with that. But if you start pushing like your thumbs in my ribs that's a different story you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. that's the phobia that, basically that even hurts yeah small items kept disappearing and one day janet tried to actually talk to the demon ask it to to rap once for yes and twice for no so she asked if it was there to harm them and it wrapped once so yes it was clear it was there to harm them right do you think that's true that like demons will reply to you or spirits or entities? Um, yes and no. Because if you're like a common person, especially if you don't believe in this, or if you're, you, I think you just have to be either a target or very sensitive and have the power to get in contact. Hmm. So I don't believe that anybody can do it. I really don't. I believe that you can be a commoner and have nothing to do with the subject. And if you're targeted by such a presence, then I think if you do attempt, it will reveal some sort of signs to you. Mm -hmm. But that's that, mm. you know. It is said, and this is horrifying, that Jack was raped by a scaly succubus. You know that is? No, but he was raped. He raped. By an entity. Yes, and he was posing as an old woman with a young body. She had red eyes and greenish gums. Ed Warren, on the other hand, was choked and he suffered severe flu symptoms. An incubus sexually assaulted Janet. And now there were even pig noises coming from the walls. Hmm. So 
they were raped. They had a farm in the house. They, they, were, they were also beaten, no? Yes, beaten, scratched, you name it. They they went through it, basically. They were persistent to yes. stay in the house. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you don't have the income or any other resource, you know. The Smurfs said they tried several times to obtain support from the Catholic Church. The church initially said it would consult experts, but official involvement seemed unlikely. At one point, Janet thought she was getting help from a father, O'Leary, but turns out she discovers that he doesn't even exist. Allegedly, it was the demon pretending to be a priest and tricked her. So she was on the phone with somebody or, or she even saw somebody. They didn't say, but I would assume it was a conversation type of a thing, not face-to-face. Because -face. Mm. if they were to say it was face-to-face, -face, I wouldn't believe it for a second. So, you know. Yeah. So I found in a different article that representatives from the Roman Catholic Church in Scranton were uncertain as to what might be causing the activity, right? So multiple priests visited the Smurfs to bless their home. They reportedly encountered no harmful activity while on the property. In 1986, an area priest actually moved into the household, hoping to witness the demonic forces firsthand, but nothing stirred. After two nights without issue, he left. So the Smurfs took their story public in hopes that someone might hear of their cry for help and, you know, do something about it. But the family got more than they bargained for. The press flashed on and, like malicious spirits, refused to leave. So old balls camped out in front of their house, cameras flashed, and reporters flooded their lawn. Like all the creeps were gathering there, basically. Yeah. Cars of onlookers cruised by, hoping to catch a glimpse of something. Uh, the Smurls were, they, like, basically they found themselves at the center of a media circus. So they thought they, they would do good for the family, but they made it way worse. So the Warrens end up calling Bishop Robert McKenna, a traditionalist priest, who was refusing to abide by the changes in ritual mandated by the Second Taiwan Council. I don't know what that means. He was saying the mass, so he he had this thing to say the mass in Latin and he performed more than 50 exorcisms for the worms. This time he chose to perform an ancient rite that seemed to infuriate the demon. He didn't do it on purpose to clarify. He just wanted to oh. get rid of it. And, you know, I saw your face. That's why I explained. So his purpose wasn't to infuriate it, but to get it out as a result. But it didn't happen. So the infestation intensified. Their daughter, Karen, uh, fell severely ill from a strange fever and nearly died. Dawn, she was nearly raped by the presence, like the kid, the teenager, ra almost raped too. Yeah, I see the demon has no limits. <laughs> it, goes, it targets everybody. Yeah, no gender preference. Yeah. Janet and Mary had slash marks and bites on their arms and everyone was suffering from depression. But now I will pause for a second because I, want, I, I, will, I will add my comments at the end. According to Ed Warren, this was the second stage, like the second stage they were at, the oppression. So there is infestation, oppression, followed by possession and debt, right? Mm-hmm. The bishop that worked with the Warrens, McKenna, performs a second exorcism later on in the spring, but to no avail. 
The demon lies to the family. It was even accompanying them on trips and kept harassing Jack at work. The next logical step in their case was to simply move to another house, right? But they were hunted. Yeah. So it was clear there was no point in just moving if the demon was to follow them, whatever. It didn't matter where they go. It was He was going to go there. Yeah, yeah. After they were refused proper help from the church, the family decided to appear on television. They remained anonymous behind a screen and they were interviewed by Richard Bay. It was a talk show from Philadelphia. People are talking. Later on, the demon got stronger. It got Janet to levitate, then hit her against the wall. It finally appears to Jack as a monstrous creature resembling a pig on two legs. I'm trying to picture that. Yeah. But do you think that's that's huh? that's accurate, or maybe that was on his mind? I don't know. I uh, I think I will give you. Um, so I read the story a lot because of the research, right? Um, I had to. So I know versions and versions, but uh, just now while reading for you, uh, I realized a mistake in the story that doesn't make sense. So I don't know if it's a mistake, but let's discuss it at the end though, right? Okay, okay. But this thing with the pig, I mean, it's a bit stretched, I guess. What do you guys think? Let us know. So the conjugal visits intensified to the point that a hand seemed to be coming out of the mattress, grabbing Janet by the back of the neck, and Jack ends up being raped again. So, so the demon liked Jack. I guess. Well, as things kept the same, or at times even worse, the family felt that they had to address a wider audience in hopes that in the end, they might find someone that was going to be able to help them. They went ahead and were interviewed, appearing in the Wilkes-Barre Sunday Independent newspaper. But this only turned their home into a tourist attraction for the press, curious onlookers and skeptics. Some of the skeptics were actually their neighbors, even though plenty of them backed them up and said that they heard and experienced stuff too. There were some claiming that the family was only con concocting a story in order to profit from book and, you know, movie rights. Mm -hmm. One skeptic was Paul Kurtz, chairman of an actual skeptical organization, the Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, CSICOP, in Buffalo, New York. So he sought to investigate, but was rebuffed by the family and the Warrens. Kurtz proposed to pay for the family to spend a week in a hotel with a private security guard while a team of investigators examined the house. Kurtz also offered free psychiatric and psychological examinations, which might have provided clues to the alleged activity. But the smartest said CSI-COP had already made up its mind that their story was a hoax and they preferred to work with the Warrens and the church. So they didn't want them in, basically, the CSI-COP mm -hmm. thing. This committee sent over to the house two of their members, but the Smurfs denied them access. So the committee went ahead stating that the case wasn't in fact paranormal and that the family denied them the access because they were afraid of what they might have found. Paul Kurtz went ahead citing discrepancies in Dawn Smurfs' accounts of her experiences and he was also critical of the Warrens. He goes on by suggesting natural causes and explanations for some of the phenomena that took place in the house. 
So he says there are abandoned mines in the area, settling and creating strange noises. He says that Jack was delusional and he wasn't in fact raped by any ghost. He says that the smells came from broken sewer pipes and the rest was nothing more but random teenager pranks. Lastly, he adds that he went ahead to read the police records, but there was nothing of sort. This confused him because Mrs. Smurl in fact claimed that she did she did speak with the police. So he went ahead claiming that the family was only interested in getting money out of the story because it seems that they were talking at the time with Hollywood film companies. So this happened after the story broke in the press. But the Smurls denied any interest in, in the money. Like they, they said they didn't want it for that. They just wanted help to get their house back. But didn't they have like the scars or any bruises from the attacks? I guess, they, I guess they did. I guess they did. Ed Wern raised even more doubts of reporters and skeptics. He was part of a press conference that he called in late August 1986, where he said that he recorded paranormal sounds, groaning and grunting, and he even videotaped an like, unclear image of a dark mass moving around the house, the same dark mass the family saw. He was asked by journalists to provide them like with the tapes, but he declined. To one journalist, he said that he had given the tapes to a TV company and he told Kurtz and other reporters that everything was in the exclusive possession of the church. So he had two versions, basically. Mm -hmm. However, church authorities later said nothing had been turned over to them. It declined reporters' request to stay in the house, saying that no one had paid attention when the Smurfs first begged the media to spend a night to witness you know, the phenomena, which is true. They were asking for help, but nobody cared. And because they were refused help, now such requests were denied out of question. So it does make sense. Like, I come to yeah. you for help, you don't care. But once I get attention, you want to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds more like politicians. Yeah. <laughs> Or fake friends. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Later on, a medium, Mary Alice Ringman, was contacted by the Smurls and she examined the house and corroborated the Warren's finding of four spirits. So there's another person that confirms that mm -hmm. there are four spirits. She identified one as a confused old woman named Abigail and another as a dark man with a mustache named Patrick. Patrick, she says, had murdered his wife and her lover and then he was hanged by a mob She wasn't able to identify the third presence precisely, but the fourth was without any doubt a demon. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but we knew this already. We knew, but the Warrens didn't say that one is Abigail and one is yeah, yeah. Patrick. And, you know, they just said three and like three spirits and a demon. In the meantime, because of all the attention from the press, the church decided to take action and reluctantly offered to take over the case. The Warrens, meanwhile, planned a mass exorcism with several priests. There were prayer groups being sent to the house to offer comfort, and contrary to what Paul Kurtz claimed, a reverend, Alphonsus Traveled of the St. Bonaventure University, asked by the church to investigate, said he believed that the Smurfs were honest and deeply disturbed by the events but he was unable to determine if demonic presence was the true cause indeed. Makina arrives for a third time to exercise the house, so he won't give up. Yeah, I see everybody in this story is persistent. Yeah. This was in September 1986. 
and everybody's like super excited and relieved because they saw that this time it actually worked. Mm -hmm. They seem to be getting their peace back, their lives back, something that seemed more and more impossible at times. Everything now was slowly, slowly getting back to normal. But sadly, this lasted for only three months. Of course. Yeah. Prior to Christmas, same year, Jack again saw the black shape and he learned from the worms that he was now heading to the third stage, the possession. He prayed and prayed, hoping it was nothing more than an isolated incident, but it wasn't. The noises, the foul smells, and all the violence started once again. What do you think? Sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah. You know, when in these nightmares, when you, you something <laughs> that you don't like is happening, yeah. and it stops, and mm -hmm. out of the blue, it restarts. Sounds yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 I agree. But this time, as much as they vowed that in the beginning, you know, that they will fight back and they will keep their house. Yeah. and they'll be, Well, this time they couldn't. They, seemed, they, they were just drained and they packed as fast as they could and moved immediately to another town. But as they were told by the worms, the demon was to follow. It already manifested outside the house at work on one of the family trips. So now it was happening again to their new house. Supernatural phenomena reportedly followed them uh, for quite some time until a church-sanctioned exorcism in 1989 cleared the house of its activity. Since then, experts, priests, television producers, and journalists have all scrutinized the small story, but not Ed and Lorraine. The Warrens themselves chronicled the small case in The Haunted, One Family's Nightmare. Many reviewers regarded the book as one-sided. Skeptics who saw rational explanations behind the otherworldly claims of the small family basically destroyed the book in reviews. Mm -hmm. The subsequent owners of the Chase Street duplex say nothing unusual has ever happened in their home. So the new people that moved into the haunted house... It said, wasn't haunted anymore yeah. because the family is haunted. Yeah, that's one way of seeing it. The small story gained more and more attention to the point that Scranton native actor-writer Jason Miller, best known as Father Karras in The Exorcist, oh. yeah, very cool, visited the home. So Miller didn't necessarily believe that the source of the family's turmoil was a demonic presence, mm -hmm. but he did believe something was going on in their home. He told the Scranton Times that the Smurls feared the, the infestation would eventually get to, to the family, like get it in the bad, bad sense, not just scare them and toss them around. Mm -hmm. In an article from the Citizen's Voice from June 2017, daughter Karin Smurl, now a social worker and sometimes paranormal investigator, recalls that people knocked on their windows and doors and even threw bricks at their house. She said that people terrorized the family. Some reporters also claimed that the family was just looking to make a quick buck with their story, but Corinne denies that. She told the Pittston's progress, quote, We never made money from the book or movie. Who wants to go through all that media and public bashing? To the naysayers, I hope it doesn't take something as extreme as what we went through to make them believers. We wouldn't wish our experience on anyone. What do you think? Uh... To be honest, I think they sound like, uh, I mean, all the story sounds like a Conjuring movie. Mm -hmm. 
It, I mean, all the signs and manifestations. But wait. And pause. Do you what? know something exciting? What? I think this might be the actual, the next conjuring. People really? speculate, yes. I wouldn't be surprised because it sounds like, yeah. like all all the the steps, you know, the yeah. demons or the these entities follow. Yeah. But also, um, if there's proof, like physical proof of them being being attacked mm -hmm. by this entity and they yeah. had like bruises, as I said, or things like that, uh, I don't think anybody, you have to be deranged to to do that to you only to get some money out of a book or a movie, right? Yes, but yet there are cases. Uh, well... There are. There's like a lot of people, like even in Europe, I know, because I've read, and they were trying to fake uh, a haunting or like ghost activity because people will come, there will be, you will get the interest and there will be people willing to pay to experience. That's why there are inns or hostels or whatever that they claim pretend to be haunted so they can increase prices on certain rooms and they say it's only for the brave heart or whatever i'm clearly not the target <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so my what i want to say what i told you like now really telling you the story right what got my attention i didn't as much as i read before putting everything together it didn't cross my mind i didn't realize but now it it got to me basically, right? So Ed and Lorraine Warren said that there were three spirits and one demon. Mm -hmm. Then there is this extra lady, the Rosalind, I don't know, the Freud lady, that she mm -hmm. says, yes, there's three spirits and one demon. But later on, we are told that there's a succubus, or however you pronounce it, and incubus, mm -hmm. which that means there is a female male demon. There are two demons. Do, do, uh -huh. do you get it? So there's an incoherence there. Yes. Mm. Because you can't have, um, you can't say there's a demon, but a succubus and inclusive. I, I never heard of one demon being the bow because they are independent, as if you say it's a male and a female. Do you get it? Yeah. So that got my attention. And um, I would say, obviously, because I believe in this sort of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like it to be true, but um, I would say not even 50-50, you know, because of this thing that I just said. And also because uh, the only thing that would make me believe it as being true is that they had some sort of activities at first mm -hmm. and they decided to build up on it. Or because of fear, they didn't even realize and they built on it. Do you get it? Do you get my point? Yeah, probably, but also the incoherence can be because um, these cases are not well um, well registered. I mean, the, the people who research on these and your sources, I think they have to go through a lot, a lot of investigation to get the actual facts, right? Yeah, but the facts are coming from the people that were there, meaning Ian and Lorraine, right? So um, it's incoherent. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> because indeed. how can you say there's a demon, but in fact there's two? But you always only say that there's one, but then when you talk about it, apparently there are two. I don't know. Maybe somebody in the public can make sense of this. And yeah, maybe somebody knows a little bit 
more or something else about yeah. this story. Yeah, that would be cool. I would like that to be cleared up. And if that's cleared up, maybe I'll tend to believe them, uh, the family a bit more. I understand the daughter and so on. I also go, like, I understand they were bashed by the public, the media and all that. But there's also another thing that we can take in consideration. And is that if something like this happens to you on a small scale, if like, for example, right now, I don't know, a chair falls, right? So the chair falls. And I will tell you this, but when you relate the story, it doesn't feel the same to you. You're not as scared as I was when I saw the chair falling. So, yeah. right? So I will have the tendency to exaggerate, to get you to a closer level of my own experience. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I know a lot of people do it, but not necessarily in paranormal cases or situations but they tend to exaggerate a bit so you get closer to i don't know the audacity of somebody saying this to me do you get my point yeah but i don't think he saw any big creature on two legs i don't think that in the beginning i i believed the part with the smells the noises the things you know exploding or whatever bursting into flames but and also the part with the black fog creature, you know. The shadow. Yeah, that too. But then just to say that you saw a lady with green gums. Um, and the raping. And the raping. So the raping is that the succubus, the incubus. But um, I don't know. That's just inconsistency on their part. And the Warrens were the closest to the case. So if they were having this type of mistakes in the story what do you expect me to who can i believe do you get my point yeah i understand but if anybody is like interested in reading the actual story from ed and lorraine's perspective you can find it online so you can find the book i think i will give it a try myself so it's called the haunted in case i didn't mention and there's also a movie made after the story called The Hunted from 1991. So I think mm. it's worth watching. We should give it a watch. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be we cool. Can, we can try. Yeah. Well, that's it for today. See you with our third episode. That will be a true crime episode. Mm-hmm. Until then, please don't forget to follow us on social media. We are now on Instagram as the Creepy Cat Show. You can find us on Twitter. Sorry, X. And uh, we're actually going to start using X to get your opinions and questions and perhaps even your spooky stories if you have any. Until then, stay safe and see you again on same place, same time next week. Yeah. Um, stay creepy. Stay creepy. <laughs>